Right now, you're listening to Technical News Reading presented by Hakeem Ali Bokas Alexander here on Colin Social Podcasting App. Presented for World Reading Club in association with Uniquilibrium. This edition's reading focus comes to us from techbriefs.com and is titled Graphene Boosts Flexible and Wearable Something or Other. Let's see if this is in the email. So what I had to do, because it's an exclusive, is I have to find that email on here. Or what I'm going to actually even better yet, I'm going to send it as a message to one of my other accounts here on, uh, hey, what's up, Brady? Um, Back to the map. I'm here at the good old dojo here, guys. And uh, let me see, Brady, just in case you want to come up and talk about this, and Rudy as well. You guys are always uh, welcome. And uh, so... Good, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. You know, I, I saw this article today and I decided that I was going to read it simply because, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Bill Bonatati is always uh, bringing up the conspiracy theory stuff, the things he's been through. So he's, uh, you know, and this just happens to be a brand new article uh, on techbriefs.com, which is a NASA website. So I thought I'd just uh, give this a little look. Maybe we can learn a little bit more more about graphene and satisfy the conspiracy theorist in us all. Brady, what's up, man? Heard about this, man. I've been looking forward. I've been meaning to read this myself. So you do me a favor. I'm just going to listen to you. This is fantastic. Yeah, so I wanted to see. And, you know, I actually just now. So I have to actually look this one up. But I actually found on... um, on techbriefs.com on the NASA website, there are several, there are various articles um, that are uh, basically uh, talking about graphene. So, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that what um, uh, but Bill was talking about a lot of times was, um, you know, the stuff he's talking about in the articles that people were putting it in uh, the the injectables for the vaccines and that then it was being activated by uh, 5G, which the interesting thing is there's uh, a lot of merit to that science. Um, the fact that you can activate, you can, cause we, you know, you, we can knock around electrons with photons, which are basically photons are all the radio frequencies all the way up through uh, ultraviolet. However, it's right when you start getting into ultraviolet, when you start getting what's called ionizing radiation, which is able to knock stuff around and things like that. Um, So. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Just like how photovoltaic cells work. Einstein discovered it by accident when he had, he put a piece of metal somewhere and he noticed that the electrons were moving and he was like, why? And it was because there was a lamp that had an intense light that was hitting the photons. So it was a frequency that was knocking the photon, that means the electrons and making them move. Um, and this whole idea of being able to use electron switches and activate things um, is rooted deeply in nature. I talk about all the time, I call them virobots uh, or virobots, like, because viruses um, for the most parts are like nanobots because they have a specific job that they do. And, um, they only do one job, especially retroviruses that use RNA. They jump onto a a cell and they rip it open. They go inside, they splice it in a piece of DNA and they they read the RNA with a reverse transcriptase enzyme and they put it in there and then it starts to, and it becomes DNA that then starts to produce a whole bunch of virus. That's how the AIDS virus works. So the HIV, the human immunovirus, which becomes the, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome is that it actually just opens up. So this is puts it in there and makes the body produce AIDS virus. Yeah. This might trip you out a little bit, man. Like I had a a vision just the other day walking outside my house and I was like the xenomorphs from aliens, like (laughs) potentially um, like advanced, uh, you know, evolution and maybe at one point after they've gained enough biomass 
they will completely restructure into something more beautiful, <laughs> mm. be more beautiful and attractive. And like, you know, it's like right now they're, it's, they have like a unified consciousness and they're on mission to simply gain biomass. And after they gain enough biomass, they like go into a cocoon phase and like come out with much more beautiful bodies <laughs> so, for like a new age. And then so um, after, after I had that vision in my little kind of idea in my head, um, I was watching a Joe Rogan uh, Instagram clip that he posted of some okay. AI envisioning the evolution of humanity all the way from monkeys far into the future. And it was pretty cool, man. And so what happened is that we went from monkeys to, you know, cavemen to you know, knights and then military guys. And then we had androids, bionic arms, and then we became like fully robotic. And then eventually those robotics evolved to the point where they start to look like fucking xenomorphs, like spiky teeth, weird, like semi semi-biological um, geometry. But yeah. uh, eventually it evolved into a giant grid with like a rotating light sphere at the top like it is very interesting it's, it's it it really resonates with how i think we've envisioned evolution as humanity <laughs> right and uh, uh, we are a very creative and imaginative species that's for sure but uh pretty cool man pretty yeah. cool little series of things and uh yeah viruses are very much like kind of like a biological technology. You can think of them as like, and, and we are. Yeah, they are definitely. Bi we are complex. biotech. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and they're they're an interesting thing. Uh, viruses and um, like here's another thing. I'll make this note and I'm going to read this tech briefs. But um, one thing also that I, that occurred to me is free radicals. So free radicals are also in this same class of electron uh, photon interactions, whereas um, you can get a free radical. So free radicals are, are like our ionized particles. So they're ionized atoms and or molecules that lose electrons and become more positively charged. And what happens is that since they're positively charged, they go around stealing electrons from other atoms and molecules, which if those atoms and molecules happen to be currently involved in a ongoing biological process, it can cause problems. Um, it's the same reason why we people say to be careful about the sunlight and the ultraviolet radiation because that's when it starts to get to ionizing. What does that mean? Ionizing, it means it knocks electrons off. So all of this stuff is the same. And that's how, and basically a free radical is another molecule or atom. That's another uh, nanobot because what happens is once you knock an electron off of it, it becomes an electron thief. And so it goes around trying to balance itself out by stealing electrons. So anyway, so in the sense, in the... the um, the spirit of, of what this article is here um, about the graphene, I'm going to uh, read that. Hello, good morning, Loki. You've been invited to speak if you like. If not, just listen. I'm going to be reading this article here. Your uh, contributions and, and voice are always appreciated. So here we go. This is from techbriefs.com, which is a NASA website. Um, I got it pulled up here on my other device so I don't have to switch off the camera there. So, because um, I like to see the sunlight behind my head here outside my dojo's window. Um, all right, so we have this article is called Graphene Boost Flexible and Wearable Electronic Boosts. And that's a weird title, but here we go. Um, we got this guy named Chen Swan, Steve. Chen Swan Lu inspects a substrate coated in graphene. Image Caltech. At 200 times stronger than steel, graphene has been hailed as a supermaterial of the future since its discovery in 2004. What, when was this article written? This is from the Insider. Okay, let me take a look at this. Oh, so this is actually published today, December 1st, 2022. Are you the only one? Is it, is it just me that feels like 2004? Like we must have discovered graphene much earlier than 2004. Right? It feels to me, right? I yeah, mean, apparently that's when it was discovered, but hmm. it's such a common, it seems like such a common thing you would find. Like, it seems like this is something the military must have known about for years. What do you think? Well, yeah, because we've, we've used graphite before, um, in, you know, in pencils and things like that. 
and various um, permutations of it. So I don't want to distract yeah. you too much, but man, right. It's no, kind of like, there's no way right. to yeah. me. It seems like, but, but of course, you know how things go from, uh, from independent labs. Yeah. Uh, then somebody maybe in military discovers it, says we need to put a hush us on that. And so then it goes to a lab that is private, but may have a military contract. And so it kind of stays in those things for a little while before it moves on. So yeah, I'm thinking the right. Egyptians must have known about it. <laughs> you never, I mean, they, they used all kinds of substances to paint and color and decorate things. So you never know. Right. Um, the ultra thin carbon. Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, tech briefs continues. The ultra thin carbon material is an incredibly strong electrical and thermal conductor, making it a perfect ingredient to enhance the semiconductor chips found in many electrical devices. But while graphene-based research has been fast-tracked, the nanomaterial has hit roadblocks. In particular, manufacturers have not been able to create large, industrially relevant amounts of the material. New research from the laboratory of Nai Changya, the Thomas W. Hogan Professor of Physics at Caltech, is reinvigorating the graphene craze. I want to point out something to you guys here just really briefly. You're going to start to see a lot more uh, credit being given to Chinese scientists in the popular literature. And this is a fact. You're going to see it. I started seeing it happen uh, when I was in China, and there are so many indications of it's not necessarily going to be a Chinese takeover, but there's going to be a prevalence of a lot of Chinese science and things that are being given a nod that where it was not before in the scientific literature. You might have seen Chinese names in the research, but now you're going to see them push a lot more forward in a lot of the research. And there's some good reasons for that. Um, all the stuff that you see about... Uh, we're at war with China and China and America, this and this and that, and even all the Russia. It's, it's a completely different story on the ground than with the people. So the tech briefs continue. Let me get through this and then we can talk about some other stuff later if we're, we're going to go down some routes. In two new studies, the researchers demonstrated that graphene can greatly improve electrical circuits required for wearable and flexible electronics such as smart health patches, bendable smartphones, helmets, large folding display screens, and more. In one study published in ACS Applied Materials and Interfaces, the researchers grew graphene directly onto, two, onto thin two-dimensional copper lines of the type commonly used in electronics. The results showed that the graphene not only improved the line's conducting properties, but also protected the copper-based structures from the usual wear and tear. For instance, they showed that graphene-coated copper structures could be folded 200,000 times without damage as compared to the original copper structures, which started cracking after 20,000 folds. The results demonstrate that graphene can help create flexible electronics with longer lifetimes. So flexible electronics with longer lifetimes. The second study published in ACS Applied Nanomaterials demonstrated that gold coated uh, in graphene could better withstand the sweat of a person's body and thus would make better implantable biosensors. Gold is a common ingredient used in the development of implantable biosensors or smart patches, nanoscale devices for monitoring various health conditions. Graphene slows down the rate at which the gold is corroded. The two studies, in addition to a third study in ACS Applied Materials and Interfaces, showing that graphene can protect electrical circuits, produced via inkjet printers, used the Ye Group's unique method for growing graphene. In 2015, Ye and her colleagues, including senior research scientist David Boyd, announced that they had figured out a better, more cost-effective, and environmentally friendly way to grow graphene on materials. Called Plasma Enhanced Chemical Vapor Deposition, the method can be used to grow high-quality graphene sheets only one atom thick at room temperature in about 15 minutes. 
This is in contrast to other methods that require much higher temperatures, harsh chemicals, and take several hours to complete. Flexible and wearable electronics can be made of soft materials like polymers that can't sustain high temperatures, said Chen Xuan, Steve Liu, a Caltech graduate student and lead author of the three studies. Our method allows us to grow graphene directly on the substrate at a low temperature, preventing any damage to sensitive materials. Ye adds that their graphene growth method which can be scaled up for industrial needs, is comparable with a host of other applications in addition to flexible and wearable electronics. Our method is highly compatible with all kinds of substrates, ranging from tiny nanostructure metals to semiconducting materials and even to plastics. Because we don't require much high temperatures, this method can be used on different substrates for many applications, she said. Pink Plasma. The group grows sheets of graphene in their basement laboratory. A ray of plasma, which glows pink, is used to activate a gas of hydrogen and methane molecules and break them down into smaller fragments. The sample, such as a two-dimensional copper line, is then immersed in the plasma, and the carbon from the gas gets or the carbon from the gas gets deposited onto the surface in thin sheets that are one atom thick. The final surface with the graphene will appear shinier. By way of contrast, other processes require heating to temperatures of about 1,000 degrees Celsius. The Caltech team partnered with the Materials and Chemical Research Laboratories at the Taiwanese organization called Industrial Technology Research Institute, ITRI. The Caltech team created graphene-coated copper structures that mimic what would be used in flexible electronics and then had their partners at ITRI fold them. The company has the equipment necessary to repeatedly fold the structures hundreds of thousands of times. I tried and was not able to stand there and fold the materials this long myself, Lou joked. The ITRI has been playing an important role in bridging laboratory research to industrial production in Taiwan over the decades. The most well-known example among many spin-off companies from ITRI is the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, TSMC, currently the world's largest semiconductor uh, foundry, said Ye, who recently traveled to Taiwan to visit her collaborators, her collaborators at ITRI. Both Ye and Lu are originally from Taiwan. That would have been, uh, yeah. In this same study, the researchers also showed that graphene could improve the copper structure's chemical stability and electrical conductivity in addition to its structural flexibility. We put just two atomic layers of graphene on top of these thin copper lines and saw that they were beautifully unchanged after several months, yes said. The second study tested whether graphene could protect the durability of the types of gold structures used in implantable biosensors. The researchers grew graphene on gold and then exposed the material to saline solutions that mimic sweat. The results showed that the graphene-coated structure remained intact under conditions equivalent to approximately one month at normal human body temperatures, much longer than what is possible with gold alone. I wasn't aware of graphene's full potential when I first started working with it, Lou said, but, when I, but then I realized how it can be used in tandem with other materials for so many applications. My roommate, co-author Kuang Ming, Alan, so Kuang Ming Sheng, Kuang Ming Sheng, Alan, and I were, so my roommate, co-author Kuang Ming Sheng, aka Alan, and I were having a boba tea when we realized the, 
realized we could test whether graphene might protect gold from the corrosive effects of sweat. Blue said that his favorite Taiwanese drink, boba tea, helps to inspire him with new ideas. Yeah, there's a lot of boba tea shops in, in Taiwan. Um, a lot of them in Taiwan. You know, there's a, a special place of mine that uh, anybody can go to, by the way. Um, all you need is your passport. You don't need any special uh, stamps or anything like that, but you can go to this island uh, in Taiwan called Kinmen Island, and uh, they just put a stamp in your book. You don't need a special uh, visa or anything like that. So as you can see here, my passport book, they had to stamp the holes in it, not because it expired, but because I have no more room uh, in here. So here's like one of, one, of, one of the Chinese visas looks like. So you need, this is when I was there for during COVID. This one is from uh, 2021. Oh, this one is March 18th. So this is March 8th. This is right when the, the crap was going down there. That was one of the first ones I got. And I had to get special ones because what they did was they canceled my 10-year visa. Um, so I had this 10-year visa right here. And it got canceled. Um, this 10-year visa got canceled. But what they do is these, so see the stamps? There's just endless amount of stamps. The whole book is filled with them. So you got stamps, stamps. What happened to Brady Crow? Oh, hello, Elena. Um, so all the stamps here, and there's just endless amounts of them because I just travel in and out so much. So that's why I had to get a new passport book. There's another one of those Chinese visas there. When I stayed, I was there during COVID. This one is from January 7th of 2021. And this last one here is from April 4th. Uh, yeah, so I had to get a completely new passport because of that. But it's great. It's all good. Um, I'm glad that I did. I got a new passport book with more pages so that when I travel back and forth here. But onwards back to uh, this tech briefs from NASA. Tech brief reading continues. What is next for graphene? This should close it up here. While graphene has taken more time to make its way into electronics than first anticipated, its future appears bright. In addition to the use of graphene in wearable and flexible electronics, Yeh is examining graphene's potential in everything from energy research and optical communications to environmentally friendly batteries and more. Graphene is also key, she said, to the growing field of nanoelectronics, which aims to create smaller versions of the electronics widely used today. Graphene can be used in combination with silicon to shrink devices down to smaller and smaller sizes. Is that great braided pack up back here? No. Um, graphene when combined with other materials, can make our nanotechnology smaller and faster. It leads to lower heat dissipation and energy consumption. In our lab, we use graphene for so many things. It's exciting, she said. So that's the end of that article. Man, it's under the topics of biosensors, coding, surface modification, design, drug delivery. Guys, this is important right here. Loki, this is especially, you know, I'm not as as as, as passionate as uh, Bill is about the stuff he's talking about. But remember earlier in this article, we saw that they talked about injectables, right? And and uh, and and the biosensors, putting them in people's bodies. So we know that they're already putting in people's bodies. Um, drug discovery, electronics. That's interesting. Drug discovery, electronics uh, and computers, flexible sensors. Uh, Loki? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I just, I, I feel that, you know, it, it's wonderful that we make all these, all this innovation and all these discoveries, but, you know, we have to follow up with the steps of, uh, of testing and, and application. And I feel because of the, you know, the profit motive and the way our culture is and our society is, that we're not, you know, we're not in favor of of knowledge and you know our higher our higher ideals and wisdom and such. So we're not being led by that, and because of that, we kind of we get off like half cocked. You know, we 
we put out products that aren't fully ready to the market just to make money off of them. And then it leaves a bad taste in people's mouth when, you know, any of these technologies developed to their fullest potential could be, you know, world changing and, and just like life altering. But there's also, there's, there's an incentive here to, for, for a lot of the old, you know, quote unquote, old money industries to kind of dig in their heels and resist the evolution to, you know, the next phase and, and like, not just evolution, but, you know, like human consciousness and, and therefore planetary consciousness. But it's, you know, we, yeah, it's a, it's a cultural thing. And, you know, with people struggling to survive, I don't think these, you know, the repercussions of these technologies are, are going to be so, so apparent to them. And we're, we're already wasting the, the most technologically advanced thing we have, which is really the, the human brain, you know, our own minds are way more complicated than anything we could create at this moment. And along with innovation, we should also spend time studying nature as well. And I know we've made, what do you call it? We've made like homunculi or like different different types of test tube life forms. But it doesn't mean these are like viable you know, balanced forms of forms of life that that could like live as sentient beings. You know, these are right. kind of like barely barely functioning. Like uh, I don't know, they're not they're not even like full full vessels. They they're experiments. Be, could be like more like automatons that kind of just do a specific thing. Um, they, like they could like be like knockout yeah. mice. Knockout mice. What are these? Knockout mice are just mice that they genetically engineer to knock out certain genes so that they don't have a protection against something so that they can just be used for a certain job in a laboratory. Um, so knockout mice are um, just basically used for a certain purpose and nothing else. They're just created for one thing and one thing only. I see. Um, yeah, and a really a really weird thing to, like, we need to be more aware of our science in a and a meta sort of perspective as well. And that includes these, these mice we're using because the mice we're using have, you know, because we've bred them over so many generations and we all know how fast rodents breed and they've, they've been bred over so many generations that they've actually, they've evolved to be experimented on and they've evolved, you know, resistance to all the fuckery that goes on to their, their DNA and stuff. And on the, and on the quantum level, when you mess with one of the these mice's DNA, especially since they're so genetically close, like you know, twins, twins have a form of quantum entanglement. Yeah. Is yeah, that one thing will affect the other. So you know, with with it's hard. Like you can try to make the cleanest experiment room. You you can try to oh shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can try to make the cleanest experiment room you can, but you, but there's always like factors that you can't account for, you know, and and so I think as as we had in the past, we need to kind of we need to take take ourselves forward, you know, could be considered backwards, but you know, of course it's forward because we're in the present, but we need to take ourselves towards a more a more unified a more unified scientific system, you know, not so, not so, not so, what do you call it? Just everybody puts their nose in their little corner and does their stupid job because it's one, the world's connected. Yeah. Like Tesla said, we need to, we'll make more advances if we start studying uh, the non-physical more than the physical. Um, And, and I think that a lot of times, a lot of people, what he interpret that some people have interpreted that and things similar like that to that we need to have our as you were saying our morality and our ethics need to evolve alongside our technology there's one more thing on here i wanted to look at here it says ingestibles and lab on a chip so i'm just making connections between what you know other people are saying about how these things are being put into the body and now it seems like i mean 
they're definitely used for biosensors, uh, for drug delivery and ingestibles and in lab on a chip. So if that's already what graphene is being used for, and now, you know, the, some of the conspiracy theories are talking about graphene oxide, it would be interesting to look at what we find about graphene oxide in some places. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure because like we said, our, our current system, our current culture, our current philosophy and ways of thinking that we are going to, you know, whatever technology pops up, we're going to try to turn it into a product. And, you know, is. not just, yeah, that's what it is. That's the process that takes place with all discoveries. Like, okay, you know, nice discovery, nice knowledge. You know, how can we make money off of it now? And, you know, that's the paradigm that we're operating in. So are the scientists. And even if the scientists have the best intentions, like this this, par this paradigm towards money for money's sake is not working like money's a tool we have to make it work for us not have it work us over you know what i mean that's exactly correct um you know that reminds me of too when you earlier when you're talking about how you know the technology and the things are really pushed out just for profit it immediately came to my mind uh something that we see in macro very often are automobile and other kind of product recalls and it's because you think that these things would have to be recalled if they actually did testing more extensively on them. Like, how could you, I mean, it's a car. We've been making cars for so long and you're now you're messing up like steering and brakes and stuff like that. It's because it's being pushed out so fast. I think that there, that's a lot of the, um, the quality control is being lost in the name of rushing things out for a deadline. Um, these graphene results, search results on techbriefs.com goes really far. Um, 4,100 total results. Um, and this is just within self-contained in the website for Tech Briefs alone, which is a NASA website. Uh, researchers designed sim seamless integrated circuits etched on graphene, clean, limitless power from graphene. Uh, and that's, that's, these are both 2020, um, Another one from 2020, barrier to fast graphene devices. I mean, and there's so many. New approach to graphene electronics. Method turns trash into graphene. Hmm. This green process produces pristine graphene in bulk using waste food, plastic, and other materials. Sounds like some back to the future type stuff, right? Remember he was putting garbage in the uh, the flux capacitor, the, the fuel cell? I mean, he used yeah. To have, uh, uh, he used to have, he used to, it was powered before, uh, Nuclear, with nuclear power. Hey, you know what I think is funny? You know how uh, 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 some people make fun of uh, the way people say certain words? You know how George uh, Bush Jr., he would say nuclear? Right. Uh, instead, of, instead of nuclear? Because like the word nuclear is spelled more like nuclear. And he would say nuclear. Well, nuclear, yeah. Or new, like nu nuclear or nuclear or something like that. Uh, right, right. Say like nuclear. Well, I was actually speaking to a NASA scientist the other day, and he was saying it like that. And I was like, what? How is this happening? <laughs> or like, uh, or, <laughs> I was like, why is a, a, a NASA scientist saying nuclear? And that day, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Theorists quantify graphene friction. Wow, that's from 2013. New research. Oh, this is interesting. New research uses graphene oxide. I found a graphene oxide one. And this is what's interesting about the graphene oxide one. It's new research uses graphene oxide to fight bacteria. Hmm. So the conspiracy theories may have a little bit of merit to them. Let's see. Right. But we don't have a full understanding. Like we we know it to a degree, but we don't have a full understanding of what um of what healthy bioflora looks like, and if right. we if we can really make like you know graphene or nano machines or like whatever substance that would target only negative organisms, then that would be good. But uh, oftentimes, mm -hmm. you know, negative organisms and positive organisms, which which are also composed of back benign bacteria and benign viruses can be, you know, very similar, you know, definitely and more similar. And they're very promiscuous than, and symbiotic right? too. And, and that's definitely the issue. Like, like, you know, when people take uh, antibiotics, 
Um, a lot of times people take them too much and some doctors will advise you, hey, you got to cut it out because you're killing your good flora. And so that's one of the issues as well is that they don't want any of that happening. Um, they don't want you killing any of the good flora off. So um, that's one of the pro big problems with uh, that tech as well. Right. And we don't, we really, we're not giving these scientists the, the correct budgets, or maybe we do give them big budgets, but it's not being spent in a proper way because most of that budget should go to, should go to thor thorough testing. And, you know, under that testing should include what a, you know, a pos positive uh, bioflora biome looks like but also the other the other issue and kind of a meta issue is that we as you know as we're kind of we've had the industrial revolution and we haven't really dealt with the consequences of the industrial revolution and the negative consequences of it we haven't fully amend we haven't fully amended the the chaos and the problems that it causes and so therefore we're we're trying to apply these drugs apply these technologies to people and our even our perception of what is normal and what is healthy has been heavily heavily distorted by you know living under this industrialized capitalist motivated system for so long and and therefore like sometimes we we really got to just you know wipe clean you know just what do you call it erase the drawing board and start over yeah. sometimes because there's too many there's way too many assumptions oftentimes especially in in academia and such because it's assumption on assumption on assumption on assumption you know well you know something that you you touched on very well is about the scientists are not given the right so the funding is there um and obviously i mean i've seen billions of dollars a day going into a lot of these research projects. So the funding is there, but it's just not like you're, it's right, it's how it's being directed. And one of the, the most disappointing things that I've seen ever in my life was, um, I, I don't know why I live like this really quasi magical existence, but one of my clients, Elizabeth Solomon in, she doesn't mind me using her name. I, I, I drop a lot of names all the time also because um, so people can fact check a lot of stuff that I say, which is one of the reasons why I like video. And I like that there's a guy um, named Curtis J. Huyard who came, who drove all the way down here from Pennsylvania to visit me because he met me on another app called Wisdom. Because a lot of people talk smack, but that's another story for another day. But um, the, uh, the, the, this different uh, problem with the technology is that um, she showed me her son, Elizabeth Solomon, her son David, He's a, he was, he graduated since then with a PhD. He's a biological psychology major, which is like right bordering psychiatry, right? So in his, he finished his classes and he didn't want the books anymore. And he didn't want to sell them back. Now, I also still have a subscription to Drug Discovery News. And if you look in the description of this show, you'll see the different periodicals that I read from. And I've been reading them for over a decade, on and off. Not as much as I am now, because now I've realized that I have the opportunity to read and share and create the content that, that I want at the same time, which is both me learning and sharing with other people at the same time. However, to the point, is on this, the, the, the cover of one of my periodicals, Drug Discovery News, uh, I saw these two dudes shaking hands and they closed like some 6.4 or something billion dollar deal um, that day and it was on the front page of this drug discovery news and it was the company Thompson Thompson Wadsworth I think is the other designation of it Thompson with a T no H um, I think it's a T no H and they uh, anyway long story short she gave me her son's books and when I got them, just very shortly after seeing the front cover of this Thompson making this multi-billion dollar deal with this pharmaceutical company, I noticed on the spine of his biological psychology books was the same blue field with a golden yellow starburst. And it said Thompson Wadsworth was the publishing company. And so Thompson was the company that made the deal, the six point four billion dollar deal with this pharmaceutical company. So here's the point, whether or not they're doing anything malicious or not, 
the fact is there's a big conflict of interest there when a company that's making billion dollar deals with pharmaceutical companies is also educating our future medical students and psychologists and people who are going to be in charge of, of delivering care. Definitely. Uh, it's industrial. It's full industrial capture. You know, at this point, might as well be full. I'm sure there's a very small percentage of people that resist, but but overall, they've they've made it to where, in order for these doctors to make a living and for these students to graduate, they have to conform to the to the paradigm they've created, and this paradigm yes. makes them shit shitloads of money. But yep. continue, good. No, that's uh, that's it. I mean, you're. I I, I agree with with most of that, and um, just that. Uh, sometimes I also think that um, there are a lot of mistakes that are made, and there are people who are like middlemen, who don't necessarily have anything to do with a lot of the screwed up stuff that's going on, but. They eventually, you know, I heard somebody and see, I have a difficult time relating to this, but someone was talking about how some people will continue just to keep a job or whatever they because they have to put food on their, their table and whatnot. They'll keep jobs that are um, immoral and unethical and do all kinds of harm to the environment and people because they don't have they feel like they don't have any other choice. And um, <clears throat> it's true. That's unfortunate. I mean. Yeah. Can you imagine the cognitive dissonance and the, the emotional turmoil people might feel knowing like like it's like on a smaller scale, you know what it's like? It's like some people who work in certain filthy ass restaurants. Like I know this girl, uh, she came and hang out with me yesterday, but she works at a, a place that I frequent. And she was like, yo, tell me, don't eat the food there anymore. <laughs> it's like one of those things, you know, it's like she's like, don't eat the food there anymore. And the, the sad thing is. That even if the restaurant's perfect, you know, even some of the menu, food manufacturers could have some nasty practices that puts, right. you know, the consumer at risk. So at, at multiple, that's why they're saying, you know, processed food is bad. You know, like the ideal thing would be to grow the food yourself and can control the conditions to make it healthy. But, you know, we have to trust so many people on so many di different levels at so many different steps of the various processes that get the food to us. And because of, you know, this capitalistic tendency to create needs, because that's how you make a new product. You create a new need. Yeah. You create a new insecurity. You know, you throw people off of their balance, and then you offer them the solution to put themselves in balance. And then, you know, because of that, there's like so many people there's so many hands in the pot of soup you know what i mean and, and therefore lots of very is a very specific strategy called um problem agitate solve in marketing right problem reaction solution i've heard it as yeah yeah, yeah. problem reaction solution yeah sometimes it was called problem at uh agitate solve but yeah problem reaction solution so the agitate is the reaction yeah um yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. They, it, it's, and it plays out very well on people because um, it, it just really pushes people to get into habits and behaviors that they normally wouldn't. Um, just like the, you know, I know I, I've talked about this before. Everybody knows that the Milgram experiment, experiments and things like that. So it's just a, you know, it's a really crazy thing what people will be willing to do um, and throwing people under the bus. Hello, young. And Elena's still here. Uh, do um, if if Young or Elena, Young, I know you just showed up, but Elena, you've been listening. Do you have anything to add? Did you want to write any comments or come up and speak? Um, and uh, but in the meantime, Mr. Loki, uh, do you have anything else to add about this research? And is there anything else that uh, uh, maybe you guys uh, know? Because if you look at the the uh, show notes for well, this this show in general for technical news reading. I have a list of different publications that I use. So if there's anything that uh, we should look at or explore together, I'd like to know too. So you have those resources there, so you can look at any time. Um, I yeah, right. I, I would say you know maybe the U.S. and Europe. I think you know Europe is probably closer to it than the U.S., but we should. Not in like a humanistic moral sense, but in an innovation, in a sense of innovation, we should copy the the Chinese a little more as far as like their 
you know, their sci- the way they conduct their scientific research, they seem to make faster progress than than we do. Although that, well, that's because oh, shit. they don't keep all of their what. No, no, just the bu- you got you got some buses really close to your your spot. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like a tr- trash truck or something out there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, it's so funny how the sound is so, like when I'm in a loud Starbucks, the this microphone cuts all that stuff, the background noise out, <laughs> and you can hear me with all that stuff. Hey, Schnarf. Um, but you uh, you have. Um, yeah, a lot of that stuff. But continue what you were saying, though, about the. Um, yeah, yeah. We, anyways, we need to we need to open up things to our researchers to be researchers to be scientific. But you know, not just for scientists, but everybody. Kind of, they they need to be able to, like you know, get outside of the cult of personality and the cult of selling yourself and consumerism and all the bullshit and let the scientist be a scientist you know and let the artist be an artist let the musician compose what music comes from their heart not like not that people are constantly thinking about you know the judgment of of others of course people should think that they're doing the correct thing and if people are are trying to just be edgy for sake of being edgy or trying to be trolls or whatever that's another thing but when people like when people are censoring themselves from from them speak themselves speaking the truth, then you're not you're not getting you're not making full use of you know our biggest resource, which is people and pe- and we and these institutions forget that like people become just like cogs in a machine, even though yeah. they're the most valuable resource, but they're not simple to manage or use. You know you have to yeah. you have to bring them up in mm-hmm. order to for the, for everyone to have their full potential and as far as the technology i think graphene should be studied a lot more because it's cheap you know i'm pretty sure it's cheap as fuck to produce as well as um salt batteries as well you know Um, like arranging salt salt crystals in certain lattices or matrices or whatever you call them um can yeah so both graphene and salt you know are are really cheap alternatives to you know and safer alternatives to for like lead to lead batteries and lead oh, yeah. was it lead acid and they're cheaper than um copper nickel copper nickel mm-hmm. is a great battery but it's um a little it's a bit more expensive to produce you know salt yeah. and graph graphene which is like carbon if i'm not mistaken yep. is dirt cheap to Diamond produce doesn't. so yep. exactly so, so and, 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 yeah because graphene is yeah, that a would, specific arrangement of carbon, you know? Yeah. So, but as far as the green revolution that's happening now, like fucking Elon Musk and Bill Gates, they're trying to take over the basically the cobalt mines, the cobalt resources mm-hmm. of the entire fucking world, you know, working hand-in-hand hand with the military-industrial complex. And, you know, that's their idea of green revolution is just more, basically m- more imperialism, but with with more in, uh, technology. And we're not, we have to transfer also all of our cities to, to power generation, shit, some loud-ass brakes, uh, to... <laughs> To electricity that um, that is also sustainable. Otherwise, if you're if you're fucking plugging your car, your electric car into the wall, and that electricity was generated by fucking oil anyway, then it doesn't really fucking matter. You know, you might as well put the oil in your car. It's more efficient. Yeah. It, but um, hell, oh, and Hakeem, you had some you had some badass uh, capoeira moves. I did, I didn't know you could move like that. Yeah, man, I keep it up. I'm uh, 45 years old this year, and I just, you know, I made sure that I stay on top of stuff. Look, it's one of the reasons why I do the research and stuff that I do is because I haven't trusted um, a lot of the nutrition and other type of advice and things like that that were coming through before. So I made it a point. You know what's so crazy is that my main diet is simply... Um, eating entire bags of a specific type of trail mix called Power Up, and they have this. They have a one called Mega Omega, another one called uh, 
high energy and another one that's an antioxidant and it's from a company like i said it's called power up i eat that and then i eat like whole entire chickens or chicken wings anything chicken and any kind of meat and fish and sometimes sushi because but i don't t deal with the rice or a lot of bread and stuff like that and for yeah. some reason it just works for me like i dropped uh 30 pounds i was 200 holy shit. pounds when i when i first came back to united states from china because i was depressed i was drinking a lot drinking myself to sleep and, and i wasn't going to the gym and i was just going i was just um uh ordering food all the time from from uh whatever it was alipay ali whatever thing and um and then I got back, I was 221, I'm 5'10", and I was very uncomfortable, felt very sick. So um, I had a job that I was riding my bicycle to 20 miles uh, every one way. So it was 40 miles a night. I was driving 20 miles for $60 a night to go to a security job at this place called Green Parrot, and then working for five hours and then coming back. And I, my body weight stayed the same until I started eating like I was when I was fighting. Um, in the u.s and training and stuff like that and then how many fights have you had uh, 129 total so 52 in the u.s well 53 in the u.s um so i, I guess that technically would put me at 51 wins one loss and one draw because i totally forgot about that one at the burbank airport hilton um, so, <laughs> at the airport hilton so what yeah, like so you're getting you're getting paid for most of these fights then I, you know, it's funny, interesting enough, I got paid for the first fights I did as an amateur. Um, it wasn't much, but I did get paid for those. And, um, and uh, the ones in Asia, yes. Um, but they, a lot of them, uh, admittedly, were more like um, backyard brawls that you would see, like, like where Kimbo Slice came out of and stuff like that. But, right. they, but we still had reps, we still had medics, we still had all this stuff like that. It's just that a lot of them couldn't be televised and a lot of them weren't sanctioned, um, but they were just as prevalent as anything else, especially in Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, and, and areas like that. Uh, there were a oh, fair yeah. share of interesting fights in Japan. Um, Russia had some of the coolest underground or backyard brawl type of setups. Um, Kazakhstan did, interestingly enough, too. Uh, a lot of places you wouldn't think of where you think that everybody's all like, but India had some crazy brutal fights. Um, uh, but yeah, 77 over in Asia in total. So, um, and uh, I, I lost eight of those. Um, so I won 69. Haha, <laughs> cool number, 69. Won 69 of those, lost eight. Um, well, four. That's a great record. Oh, over what? I said four of them were disqualifications. Right, but what what was the nature of the disqualifications? Because uh, I kept on um, kicking a person after the bell rang. Um, oh, okay. But the guy kept on scratching me, and he bit me once, and so ah, I just kicked him. I kept on kicking him. The ref said, "You were too pissed off." Yeah, I, I wasn't pissed off. I usually don't get pissed off when I fight. I just was. I just wanted him to stop. I was like, "If you're going to do that, I'm going to kick the crap out of you like this." Because I'm sort of like a cat. Um, I like to play with my kill before I kill it. So I just and and a lot of times you've kind of realize where the fight is going at very soon. Some people, um, I always felt like I knew where it was. So. I would, once I knew that I was like, oh, I, I got this guy figured out, I got it dialed in, then I would play with them a little bit. Um, and so I knew with this guy in particular, because he scratched the hell out of me. It was like really weird how that was being allowed to, to happen. And he had like something on his his uh, glove, the lace, and then he kept on scratching me with something, so. Oh, um, shit, yeah, I've, I've heard of that before, like kind of like caught you, like this is something you can cause cuts with on the, when you put it yeah. on your glove. Yeah. So anyway, but that's that. But yeah, man, I um, uh, as to the capoeira stuff, yeah, I blend that, and I just love doing those movements, man. It's um, it's one of the best things that's kept me uh, kept me fit. Nice. <laughs> Although I did notice that like after after like two or three minutes of like intense like capoeira sequence, you were kind of winded. Uh, you yeah, can't fight you like do... that for 15 minutes. <laughs> no. I mean, although I, although uh, if you do pace yourself, you can keep going. Like I, 
I usually train, like, so on the videos, I'm just showing off, you know, just jumping around, doing as much as I can for while I have the video on um, in the dojo here. But um, but when in, in the ring and when I train, I train at a nice pace uh, to be able to go five, five-minute rounds because most of the fights I had were not five-minute rounds and they didn't go five rounds. They were usually three five-minute rounds or at the most sometimes three or four five-minute rounds. I mean three or four three-minute rounds. So they didn't usually go that long. So I train five five-minute rounds because that's the standard MMA championship fight length. So I trained to go that distance even though I never really had to. So. Gotcha. That, that's that's great. I've like I've I've like um, I don't know. I've I've always in, been into martial arts as well. I've learned a lot of different ones, you know, kind of shallowly, but you know, always yeah. deeply working on myself. But as right. far as the styles, you know, not maybe like a one or two years at most uh, learning one's one style. But recently, I've I've you know more concentrated on you know jujitsu. Mm. boxing and um and uh wrestling which you know i I always used to think of as a jock sport and i didn't want to get ringworm in high school and i didn't want to i didn't want to be around guys taking steroids and i kind of told myself this but i kind of learned like the different different countries have like different styles you know like you were talking about like kazakhstan georgia and um mongolia even what's what's the guy's what's that place senegal there's different styles of wrestling folk wrestling everywhere yeah even in like uh certain parts of um in china like there's a place called urumuchi and they had a different style of uh wrestling there inner inner mongolia too uh tibet um the himalayas like there are different fighting styles everywhere so it was just always a pretty cool thing to see yeah but i think wrestling is it's true. I think wrestling is probably the the number one like spread out style. Like every culture has wrestling, and then I think second place would be would be boxing, and then mm. you know things involving kicks would probably be third. But yeah, yeah. But it's how it's how they also string them together. There's there's uh, cultures that have have their have their martial arts that are more ritualistic, a little more sportive. And then yeah. there's some where it's more for just straight murdering people. Like well, I think in, at, um, go ahead. if you look at uh, Muay Thai, boxing and wrestling, those three are straight for murdering people. Like, cause they don't have belts. Their whole thing is train you to get into the ring or not. That's it. It's either you're training to fight in the ring or you're not. So when you look at styles that don't have belts, those are all like, like fight styles and even um, fight styles that are not necessarily meant for competition. So they tame them down a lot. Like boxing uh, should not be a competition sport. It was a bare knuckle sport, um, wrestling too. And Muay Thai is just a, an evolution of all that. Um, yeah. But they used, I think back in the day before gloves, like they used to box, you know, a lot of rounds uh, maybe it's because of how f- that you know our med- our medical sciences weren't as advanced as they are now. Therefore, mm-hmm. if you injured yourself, like they wouldn't be able to fix you up as quickly. Right. And also, you don't have the the gloves. And I think the gloves give people a false sense of security where they feel they can just swing and wing it and stuff. But if you're if you're well, punching barehanded, you're more conscious of like yeah. making sure the alignment in your fist is there before you hit somebody, or at yeah. least you should be. Otherwise, you hurt your hand. You know? Because gloves don't protect the the receiver of any strikes. It really just adds cushioning to the hands of the striker, which is interesting. It just gives you the opportunity to strike harder, even though it spreads out the impact over a wider surface area. It still is. Um, it's pretty ridiculous. And then the four, the two to four ounce gloves that they wear in MMA now are basically just padding for your hand so you don't fuck your hand up. And that's really all it is. It's, it has nothing to do with protecting the receivers of any strikes. So that's an interesting thing in itself. So. All right, Loki, I'm going to shut it, shut her down. I appreciate you, man, uh, your insights and for hanging out for a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, and I'm gonna, I, I definitely, now that I'm starting to get settled and dialed in more with having this spot and, you know, my other job being all set, that I'm gonna definitely do myself a favor and get my education program on and continue to, to read a lot more because I've been in chaos for a long time, so I'm glad I'm settling and chilling. So I appreciate you, man. Of course, yeah. All right, brother. Be well. All right, that was uh, Graphene Boost Flexible and Wearable Wearables from techbriefs.com. You guys can check out the article for yourself. I linked it here so you can read it if you like. This is for technical news.